And now, it's time once again for the show that gives glorious voice to 25 million business owners across the fruited plain. Radio Free Enterprise with Frank Felker. Thank you, Dude Walker. Yes, indeed. I am Frank Felker. Welcome back to Radio Free Enterprise. My guest today is Justin Brown. Justin is the co-founder of Primal Video, a video training and resources company located in Brisbane, Australia. Justin, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here today. I think you've got some important information to share. Now, I was fortunate enough to study under you for several months. I was looking to up my game in terms of shooting video and editing video, distributing video and, and marketing with video. And I learned a lot from you, but I also learned something I hadn't expected that I think is really important right now for virtually every employer in the world. And that has to do with hiring, vetting, managing and retaining remote workers. Uh, I hadn't expected to see that. I realized of what value was to me at that time, pre-pandemic. And it recently occurred to me that what you know and what you have to share could really be valuable for just about every business owner. So I'd like to start with this. Let's go back to pre-pandemic, you know, these many months ago, last year. Uh, what was Primal Video at that time? What was your business model and, and what were you doing to help people? Yeah, perfect. So um, my business is called Primal Video and I run that with my brother, Mike. And what we essentially do there is help people grow an audience and scale their revenue with online video. So we're all told in digital marketing these days that uh, video is the best way to get your message out, to get your voice out, start to build an audience. But there's a lot of stuff that comes up for people. You know, you've got to get on camera. You've got to then uh, work out how to edit or, or, or work out how you can get videos produced. Then you've actually got to get views on those videos and, you know, make them so people can find them. And then beyond that is is the revenue side. How do you guarantee that there, or how do you set it up so that there is a, um, a flow through into your business or, uh, or directly into dollars off the back of those uh, off the back of those videos? That's essentially what we teach. My background is in production. I've got documentaries on Netflix and had some amazing opportunity to work with some really inspirational, really uh, crazy people as well, big wave surfers yeah. and free divers and things. So. I like that my uh, day at work now helping people through YouTube and online is a lot safer than it used to be uh, doing some of that crazy stuff. But yeah, that, that's what we do. We help people grow an audience and scale their revenue with online video. Great. Uh, that's very clear. And I appreciate uh, how clear you are able to communicate that. So that's what you do. And that's what you did for me. You helped me become a better video producer, editor, shooter, etc. Now, I want to then turn to the whole idea of remote workers. How long ago, I would stop for a second, let me, let me ask you this question, I'll give it a little add-on. How long ago did you hire your first worker, and what were the trepidations you were experiencing when you were considering the idea of hiring your first remote worker? This is a great question because as a video editor, the thought of outsourcing video editing was something I definitely struggled with. Now, before we had Primal Video, we did actually have a uh, video production company where I was outsourcing editing. We were helping mass produce real estate videos for, for one side of, of, of the company. And for that, we actually had a team of 37 remote video editors. So we had to make sure that we had a process to find people that we're able to follow a process and as a secondary could also edit videos. 
think the biggest mistake that a lot of people have when they start to hire a video editor is they'll just look for the best editors. But it's actually not what you want. You want someone that's going to do what you want. <coughs> Excuse me. You want someone that's going to follow a process and, as a bonus, can also edit really well and efficiently. So that's kind of what set us off on this trajectory of this is possible and we can do it at scale. But what came up for me was actually bringing someone in uh, to edit my own videos. Now, we've had our YouTube channel for over five years now, uh, just producing one video a week, and we've had some good success with that. Um, but I ha actually haven't edited one of our YouTube videos in, it would be coming up on three years now. Wow. Uh, and that was the scariest thing for me to hand over. So it is possible, and yes, that, that is what we teach and what we help people with as well. What were you afraid was gonna go wrong when you handed over these projects to somebody who was gonna work on it remotely? Well, I mean, it's the end of the day, it's 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 my face on the video. It's and, and the same for anyone else out there that's considering outsourcing like this. We, we don't want uh, to to not be putting our best foot forward. Um, one of the biggest fears that people have is how they'll come across and how they look on camera and handing over a piece of that, uh, especially the editing piece. Uh, it, it could be seen as a risk or, or too much effort as well. I mean, the, the one of the biggest things that I was telling myself was, I can edit, I've been teaching people to edit, who better to edit my videos down than me? If I'm the one that's filming them, I know where I've made mistakes, I know what my intention was when I was filming it, so it's just gonna be quicker for me to do it. But now looking back at that, I mean, I pushed back with every excuse under the sun as to why it would work yeah. and why it was just better for me to do it, uh, but in actual fact, not having done it for the last three years, it's just freed me up immensely. So I now have the time to work on the business and with our members, um, instead of having to worry about producing a video every week and getting that, you know, on that hamster wheel of, you know, time sunk in editing. Uh, but if anything else, it's also brought in um, a lot more creativity with the editors that we're working with. So they have a set template, which is, do this, do this, do this. And we can talk through what specific of a template can look like, um, but then get creative on top of that template. So we've at least got a baseline that every video is going to meet that baseline. And then the creativity can come in on top of that. And I think that's probably the biggest thing that I struggled with and also the biggest thing that where we see a lot of people struggle with. Now, you know, if I could paraphrase what you just said, it, it almost seems as though your willingness and ability to outsource this task has allowed you to spend more time working on your business instead of in your business. Would that be an apt uh, description? Yes, 100%, yes. And this is something that I, I think that a lot of people would hold on to. Uh, and, and this could be one of the easiest things that you actually outsource to get some of your time back. Video editing, you mean? Video editing, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's one of the things we need to keep in mind is we're talking to people who aren't outsourcing video editing and are trying to figure out how to you know, hire and, and uh, train people doing other things. But nonetheless, I think your comparison and your analogy is direct to almost any other task, if you will, skilled task. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people also are unwilling to let go, even if they had workers who were sitting there in the, right, in the desk right next to them, they're unwilling to let people work. How can you describe sort of at an emotional level what, you know, what kind of butterflies you were feeling, like what you thought might go wrong and then how surprised or ways that you were surprised that it didn't go wrong? 
So I guess the, the approach that we had with this was let's give it a go. We, we knew that it's possible to work with remote people. We knew that it was possible to have someone edit down our videos, but it was really sort of the baby steps. What's, what's something that I could see as a win, as the first phase of us building out this process to help people outsource their editing? So it was that if it takes me two hours to film a video, what if I just got someone just to remove all of those bad takes? so that I'm not working with two hours of footage, I'm just polishing up the good takes, which oh, could be a great 15 idea. minutes worth of footage. So we don't have to just say, look, here it is and expect something perfect back. A lot of the mistakes that with this is, is it comes down to communication and you actually understanding what you want your editor or your remote worker to actually do. So that communication uh, is where we see a lot of people fall down with that. So it was like, what is the, the lowest level that we can get or the easiest project that we can get someone to do that is still going to be of benefit? And cutting two hours of footage down to 15, that's actually a really big time saver in itself. And you can pick up remote workers in places like the Philippines for as little as three to $7 US an hour. So you look at that and say, how many hours would it take someone to cut down my two hours to 13 mm. minutes or 15 minutes? Um, it's probably worth it for the cost of a cup of coffee or something like that. So that's where we started. And that was definitely something that um, ticked the box for me. I could see that this was already going to be of benefit. So <laughs> on an emotional level, that was that was a that was a big win. Uh, and then it's kind of all right, let's take this to the next level. That's great. Now, as I say, I learned a tremendous amount from you. There was a whole section and segment on this topic. Could you sort of thumbnail for us what it is that you teach? Uh, people who come to you for help uh, with your online courses and such. Yeah, so we, we have our Primal Video Accelerator program and in there we break our content down into three key areas. The first one is video creation. Uh, and that's really where a lot of people find us is that they'll wanna learn how to, to up their video game. Uh, I mean, we originally started back as video editing coach before Primal Video. That's not just the editing piece that people need help with. Uh, if, if you're not you know, leveling up across all the areas, across your filming, it's actually going to make your editing harder. So we focus a lot on the video creation, also on growing an audience, which is you know, how to build your audience on YouTube, how to get views and subscribers, and obviously flow through into clients and customers as well. And then the third pillar that we focus on is scale your revenue. And that's where you can implement systems to help you grow as your audience grows. So um, things like affiliate revenue, we dive deep into that, into email marketing strategies and how we grow our email list off the back of our YouTube channel all organically without running any paid ads. But also in there, that's where we also have things like the how to find and onboard uh, an outsourced video editor to, to join your team to free up your time as well. So um, it really falls down to those three pillars. Well, and that's what I'd like to dig into within that uh, module on how to hire uh, these remote workers. You were very specific and, and organized in the presentation of the information about how you advertise and what you look for in the responses to the advertisements as part of the vetting process and how you give like a test to people. And, and you look for, as you said before, not just how they edit, but how they follow directions and so forth. Could you speak to that a little bit for us? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that was probably one of the biggest shifts after going through and originally having the, the, the business that had 37 uh, video editors. It really comes down to a process and a system. And that's what we try to look at across the board for creation of videos, for growing your audience on YouTube, right through to, to the to revenue side and outsourcing. So we um, 
to, to give you an example of what, what's in the training, we, we actually take them through, like we give you our job description. And there might be six questions that we ask. Now, if someone applies for our job and doesn't answer all six questions, I don't care how good their video editing capabilities are, they haven't followed the process. That's so I won't even give it a look in. So you might find that you put this job ad up and you could get 100 people apply and some people will freak out at that point and think, oh, I've got 100 applicants to go through, applications to go through. You can be able to go through them really quickly and say, who has answered all of these six questions? Um, and and you, you'll end up with maybe 15 or 10, uh, whatever it might be, but it's a lot, lot less a number. And then you can dive in and have a look at the editing and those sorts of things and, and then shortlist it from there. But you want someone who is a process person first, someone who can answer all of your six questions. If they've missed one, again, they're not considered. Uh, and that's because you don't want to have that communication issue down the track where you've mm -hmm. asked for something. Can you change this text to this? Uh, can you bring up some uh, a graphic or B-roll at this specific time? If you're giving them a list of tasks to do, to change or to update your videos, you want to know that they're going to go and do it. And that's why we, we start back in the interview process of getting the right people on board to save those headaches down the track. That's excellent. And I like how you start with a job description and that you start engaging with them and, and trying to figure out exactly who you're working with right from the beginning. Because otherwise, as you mentioned, you'll be wasting a lot of time going through a lot of applications that really don't deserve your consideration. Now, another well, thing. It's an interesting one. Because, um, please go ahead. Oh, sorry. Okay. No, please it's go ahead. It's an interesting one because video editing web is one of the things that it's a creative Thing. Like you give the same piece of footage to 10 people, you're likely going to get 10 totally different videos back. So this is where it's, it's, it is really about that process person. Can they follow instructions? But then it also comes down to you. You need to be able to give them clear enough instructions or at least a guideline of what you're after. Now, if you don't have any videos and you're going to start outsourcing first off, give examples of the videos that you like and say what you like about it. It's all about this communication. How do I get the person that's going to be working with me up to speed as fast as possible. So that's why the, the process and, uh, and asking those questions is so important because you don't want a really creative person that's going to miss stuff that you're asking for. Now, do you is there anything that you do on an ongoing basis to sort of track how much work they're doing or whether they're doing well or uh, you know, the whole thing that, that worries most uh, managers is, especially micromanagers, is, you know, how do I know they're not screwing off all day and, you know, actually doing what they're supposed to be doing? What sort of management tools do you use for this, Justin? So for this time, for time management is probably the big one there. We will give them in the interview process a hard limit and say, I'm going to give you it to those that make it through to the to the test project. Um, we'll give them a hard limit. So I want you to edit this video down. If you reach six hours, I want you to stop. And there's no right or wrong. This is a gauge of, mm. you know, of how much work they're going to do in, in their time. Some people will totally finish the task in that amount of time, others won't. But you'll be able to see their thought process uh, by looking at their video and where they got to. Um, and, and obviously it's a talking point then when you jump on a call with them, how did you find it? Uh, what were you needing from me? Where, where was this time spent? Um, so you can get an insight into how they're going to work. Now, I don't want to be micromanaging anyone. Uh, I think that's, that's a, <laughs> a big uh, time sink. So for us, it's almost like the trust factor in there as well. Once you get to the right person and you've gone, you've gone through a couple of videos and you can engage how long per video, then how long also means how much per video. So you can justify then mm. right, the, the cost for each video to be produced. Um, but it's also going to come down to the time that the video will take. So I, I'm 
monitoring each video that comes back through. I ask our editors to provide the name of the video and how many hours it took them. And it's just so that I can keep tabs and say, well, why did that one take eight hours? Whereas the next one took an hour and a half to edit. Hmm. And it could be that I'd made way more mistakes or it could be that that type of video needed a lot more B-roll or overlay footage for them to go and collect from stock video sites or something like that. So it's never that I'm questioning or micromanaging their time. It's more so about uh, B and the expectations and how, how do I help them um, get what they need easier so that we're not wasting a lot of time on either side. Well, you clearly follow what's called the why style of management, which is how could I have done better? What resources could I have provided? Maybe I should have trained them on, you know, after effects more or something like that, rather than what's the matter with that guy, you know, <laughs> which is the yeah. X style of management and that uh, many managers follow. Now, um, how about this? Have you found that competition for these uh, uh, remote worker services has increased since the advent of the pandemic? Are they finding more opportunities to do remote work, making it more difficult for you to find the right person? To be honest, I, I haven't really found that uh, at all. I think there's still a massive opportunity on both sides. If you're looking to find someone to come and work with you and with your team, there's probably, if anything, more people around now um, and, and, and more options. But I don't think that's even driven up the price um, because on, on yeah, uh, there's more people looking, but there's also more people available to work. So I, I don't think it's really changed the market at all. Now, for us, we've tried and experimented with a lot of different online services to find people. And the one that we keep coming back to is onlinejobs.ph. Mm. Um, and it really is, I mean, it, it works well because their English in the Philippines is is amazing. Uh, and, a, and a lot more than, a lot better than a lot of people give them credit for. So that's, uh, they're, they're workers, they love to work. Um, they're hard workers. It's not really in their culture to slack off or take sick days and those kinds of things. So um, yeah, for, for us, that's what we've found works really well. You know, I remember uh, looking into that, it's onlinejobs.ph, isn't that correct, what you said just now? Yes, that's correct, yeah. And I remember seeing something, they said there's something called the 13th month. Do I have that right? Yeah. Can you tell us what that That's is? It. Yeah, so it's um it's something I never knew about either. And it's 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 really interesting when you learn the different cultures and, and what happens. Um so instead of having like a bonus at the end of the year, uh, as you would for a regular employee, or not always, you could have for a regular employee. Uh, what they have in the Philippines is called the 13th month, and it's essentially an extra bonus month worth of pay. Um, now, obviously, like it's almost expected um, if it's for a job in the Philippines, like it's it's really ingrained in their culture. But from an outsider and, and an online thing, it's not, you know, it's something, but they're not ever going to ask you for it. So it, it's more that you're able to meet them and almost like, um, Give them what what they would like without them needing to to sort of ask for it. They will never ask you for it. Um, but if it was a Filipino job, then then they would be getting it. So it's those kinds of little things that will make having this person really fit into your team because you understand where they're coming from and you're able to really connect with them and and yeah and beat their expectations as well. And uh, anybody uh, watching or listening, if you visit that website, you'll find that they do offer resources to help you understand little cultural things like this uh, that'll be important to you if you hire remote workers in the Philippines. Justin, we're just about out of time. I wanted to just kind of boil this down. If you could, for you know the average business owner, employer who's watching or listening to us today, can you give us like your top three or number one suggestion 
about how to do a better job, how to succeed with a remote worker? I think the biggest thing, if I just had to give you one, would be communication. Um, and I think that a lot of people, no matter what you're outsourcing, we outsource a lot more than just video editing. We outsource our thumbnail creation and a lot of our graphic design and those sorts of things as well. But the biggest thing would be if there's any breakdown in in the outcome, in, in your expectation of what's coming back from your editors, if you take responsibility for that and you say, all right, this is, I clearly haven't communicated well enough what I wanted. And you take the time next time to, to, to build a, a process and refine this process over time, then you'll never have to have that conversation again. But don't treat it as in this person doesn't get me, this person um, you know, it must be a screw loose or something missing because they're not doing what I'm asking. It could be your communication. So we like to take that approach. If there's, if there's anything that comes back, um, how is it? How can we learn from it? How can we make this a lesson and refine this process? So really anyone can follow this process and we can swap this person out if we needed to or bring in an, an additional person if we needed to at any time. That's great. I really appreciate that. That's a real nugget. Justin Brown, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much for having me on. Thanks again to Justin, and thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Frank Felker saying, I'll see you on the radio. Forgiving your entrepreneurial sins with a gentle wave of his microphone, here's Frank Felker. Frank Felker.